and welcome to FiverrCast, the official Fiverr podcast for sellers, by sellers. My name is Red, also known as Red Horrix. And I'm Adam, aka Twisted Web 123 Today we're joined by special guest host, Lana. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself today, Lana? Hi guys, thanks for having me. My name is Lana Marie, and I am a singer-songwriter based in Los Angeles. I've been on Fiverr for a little over three years now. I recently changed my artist name to Lola Rose, but you can still find me on Fiverr as Lana Marie. Lana, one of the really interesting things about your story is you were the winner of the Big Hook contest. Um, Why don't you tell us about the Big Hook contest, what it was, and what it meant to you to be the winner? Oh my gosh, the Big Hook contest. um, I saw that Fiverr was holding this contest and... uh, I, it was basically, you just submitted 30 seconds of a hook and uh, you could write a new hook or you, I ha- I happened to have a hook that I really enjoyed. So I submitted that real quick. It was such an easy process. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't think much of it. I, I mean, I love Fiverr. I've been on it again for three years now. And, uh, all of a sudden a few, I, it wasn't even that long of a process, but a few weeks later, I, I got the email and I got flown out to Nashville for four days to, uh, and I, I met with in- industry professionals and I got to co-write and I actually got to, I was supposed to record one song there, uh, but I, I had the opportunity to record three, which was just the whole experience. It, it definitely surpassed my expectations. Um, I was so excited to be the winner, but I had no idea what Fiverr was capable of. Uh, as far as, you know, just this, this whole experience. So do you know how many, how many people entered this contest? I believe it was out of 900 entries, a little over 900. That is is amazing. That is absolutely incredible. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's insane. (laughs) So um, one of the things that we want to talk about today is about making money from your art. And the reason why we've asked Lana to come on is because she is obviously an extremely talented singer-songwriter. Um, and that's definitely in the category more of, of an art than a uh, standard producible service. So we, we figured it would be really cool to talk about some of the challenges, how you balance your art with your work, maintaining your artistic integrity, um, staying true to your art, and then also offering a commercial service for money out of it. What are your thoughts on, on, on maintaining your artistic integrity while you're also selling a product? So it's been an interesting journey on Fiverr. I initially started um, because I wanted, I, I, I spent a lot of time in New York. I did the musical theater thing. And then I, that's when I, at, toward the end of that stint, I got into writing my own content for myself as an artist. So then I came over to LA and I got intrigued by jingle writing. I had never written a jingle before. So, uh, my boyfriend actually introduced me to fiber.com. I have no idea how we found it. He's a tech guy though. Um, (laughs) but he, he said, you know, give, give this site a try. So I said, you know, if anything, this, I could build a portfolio here and it's, it was super easy to use and, and everything. Um, but that's initially how I started. Um, and it's funny in the beginning of my time on Fiverr, when I was only allowed to make $5 is when. I had interesting companies reach out to me like Tesla, which I didn't even know who Tesla was at that time (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I know nothing. I, 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 again, I, I spent most of my life in New York. I'm from Florida, but I never drove. So I I, I didn't have any idea what a car was. 
I mean, for me, it, it, it was an easy transition. I wanted to try something new. I wanted to learn something new and I'm, you know, I, I, I don't have money to go back to any kind of school or take any kind of class. And this, you know, Fiverr gave me the, the opportunity to start low scale, start from the bottom and just kind of feel it out and learn as I go. And I feel like I learn better that way anyway. Um, but that was the whole point was, you know, to make a little bit of income and just to try something new. Initially, I was just writing jingles. I wasn't writing, uh, you know, songs like I write for myself or, uh, or anything. But that's where I started. So that that's quite interesting then where obviously things like songwriting can be quite a personal thing, quite a personal um, artistic kind of entry. Mm-hmm. So it's quite interesting that rather than take that literal thing that you highly regard as your own art, rather than take that literal service of writing these personal songs for other people, instead you took the skill set that you had from that and kind of transitioned it into something that maybe wasn't as closely related to being as so personal to you. So you could take the skills that you had from being a singer songwriter and kind of transition them into a more business orientated or focused product. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and, and as far as I, I wasn't even sure how to make that sort of transition into, you know, creating actual musical content that's for personal or commercial use, you know, that was, that was song based. I can see, I can see a lot of benefits to that though. Cause I mean, it also, it allows you to step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you, if you offered songwriting from the get go, and let's say you received a criticism or a, a, a way someone to improve it because you're so close to the service that you're offering, you may kind of think, oh, you know, someone doesn't like my song. You know, I put so much effort and soul and, you know, feeling into producing that for them. Whereas instead you're saying I'm offering a, a new service based on this and you're kind of learning the way to go and you're kind of molding with how the buyer requests it. And if there's any changes or amendments or anything that you're not so used to, it, it's not so close to home when you're looking at turning that into a service. Yes, that's an interesting point. And when I couldn't write for myself, I kind of had a, I went through a little writer's block, you know, when I first kind of signed up for Fiverr, um, which is why, you know, I started with the jingles and, and whatnot. Um, but when I couldn't write for myself, it totally took the pressure off of me when I started offering writing songs for people it took the pressure off myself and I could just be creative. And luckily in the beginning, well, and even up until this day, I mean, I get nothing but great feedback from, you know, my, my clients. I didn't realize what I was writing at the time. You know, somebody, somebody approached me and they wanted a, a song, a full song, two, three minute song for their cat that passed away, Lucas. And, you know, they sent me pictures of the cat and I was like, oh gosh, this is a thing. This is what I'm doing right now. And, uh, it turned out to be a beautiful song. And, you know, it even in, and I, you know, it wasn't even something like, oh, I'll just throw this away. This is just for, you know, this client, they need this, but I really loved the song. And yes, it was about a, a dead cat, but just pulling myself out of my own head. I've, you know, the, I've been able to just opened up my mind, not only for Fiverr now, but even for myself. So, um, once I started offering full songs, it, it, it was the best decision I ever made. So do you ever find like when you've written a song, like, like that particular song or any others where you write it and you send it to the client and then you're kind of like, Oh man, I wish I kept that one. 
all the time. <laughs> um, it's really funny. And if there's one, cause usually, usually I'll get a really nice melody and I'll be so mad. I'm like, how did this happen just now when I'm trying to write, you know, someone else's song. And if I really just fall in love with it and I cannot let it go, I will start over and I'll keep that for myself. Um, not so much the the content, obviously, but uh, the the melody I'll I'll stash away and I'll save that for a rainy day. Um, but there have been a few things. But sometimes if it works, if I if I feel really strongly and um, and it, it it just really works for this uh, client, you know, the thing with music is is that you can kind of you can I can adapt something similar to that feeling if I really wanted it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 and that's been coming up recently, uh, uh, being attached to these, these melodies or the, the, the content. So it's, that's been interesting. <laughs> so talking about the, the kind of melodies and the content and producing something that you kind of end up loving, um, at the moment then, do you offer the copyrights and the, like the commercial aspect split from your, your basic service? So if someone orders your gig and you produce a song you absolutely love, do you retain those copyrights to kind of give you those options as well? I offer copyrights for everything. So if the client, uh, usually that all happens before it's not, it's usually not added on at the end. Um, I try to make a point to if, if, you know, have them purchase that right away. Um, and again, if I know that they have purchased the copyrights, then I'll, you know, I will start from scratch. If again, this doesn't happen often that I am so attached that I can't let go. Um, but when it does, you know, if they've ordered the copyrights, then yeah, I'm either going to give it to them or I'm just going to scratch and I'm going to create something even better for them. Cause one thing I've, I've seen from a few artists, um, especially when it comes to things like music is they, they will offer the copyrights as an extra and if the extra isn't purchased and the person really loves the song and, you know, they think they produced a great song, they're the, the music creator themselves, the seller themselves will actually take that song and put it somewhere like YouTube um, to potentially monetize it or even just to release it onto YouTube in that way, just to utilize the song in, in kind of that scenario. So you're both utilizing for the person, but also as a commercial entity inside your portfolio or however, in which way you want to use it. But you kind of you get the best of both worlds, and then in the future, where if the buyer does come back and purchase the copyrights because they're set at a, a price you've predetermined, the video is usually then brought down, you know, until that sort of time. If for some reason I, you know, I needed that melody or I, uh, or, or I needed that content, um, I would reach out. Whether they, uh, if, I mean, if they didn't buy the copyrights, I would reach out to them and and. Um, you know, even just, just feel out that situation. Um, but as of the three years being active on Fiverr, I haven't had a need to touch any of the deliverables. I ask because there was um, a recent, I think it was not this year, but the year before there was a very famous Christmas advert in the UK, which was a John Lewis advert, which may have made it over to the States. And it was about um, a bear going into hibernation, but um, an artist called Lily Allen, covered a song specifically for the advert and the advert went on to be massively viral with millions of hits but she also took that song and uploaded it to her own musical channels even though the song was commissioned 
for the specific advert. It wasn't one from her collection or anything in that way. So it was commissioned for the advert, but then she used it as a separate entity as well. Yeah, that's that's tricky. I mean, that all I, that all goes into the that has to do with the contract and 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 what they figured out if she were allowed to do that. Do, did she get into any trouble, or was that just something that happened? No, it, it was just uh, something that happened. I think it, she also released it on like iTunes and stuff, and it ended up going into the charts um, from that. So I imagine in that scenario, the the copyright in whatever way was kind of retained in the scenario where if a buyer purchases a song from you and doesn't use the copyright, if you wanted to, you also have the ability to kind of take that avenue with your art as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be an option. So talking about, um, you mentioned you have your, you've changed your name to kind of differentiate yourself from you yourself as an artist, then you yourself offering a service on Fiverr. When you were under the same name, was there anything that you kind of had rules about that you wouldn't do or you restricted yourself because you were worried it would compromise your artistic integrity or maybe affect you down the line? So if we're talking about maybe if you were doing um, funny parody songs that weren't in line with the sort of songwriter you wanted to be, were you kind of cautious that would affect you in the future? You know, if you released a lovely kind of ballad hit and then someone dug up a funny parody you did, you know, 10 years prior. Yes. Uh, you know, I've done, uh, very silly things that, you know, clients have posted on YouTube and it's not even so much the parodies, like all of those are in good fun. And again, you have the, the ability to screen all your projects, so you don't have to accept, um, certain things. Um, but you know, I do always ask, you know, what are you going to do with this? Is this being released on iTunes? Are you uploading it on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the, the most problems I've run into, and of course I've learned the hard way, um, (laughs) when I was offering, uh, to record hooks and like, uh, EDM and hip hop hooks. Well, one day I was Googling my name and, uh, just (laughs) cause with Fiverr, you know, there's. There's a lot, you know, you never know. Sometimes you forget about We've all done it. We've all Googled our name. <laughs> I, well, okay. Don't I worry have, about saying that. We've all done a, it. I have a Google alert. I understand. It's okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> See, I, I totally get one of those. But, uh, you know, it's always interesting to, you forget some things that you do and uh, whatnot. But um, but I found when I, actually, I went on iTunes and I looked up my name. And uh, there was this hook that I did maybe a year ago at the time I looked it up and, uh, it wasn't, it, I didn't realize what the content was at the time. And this was me, you know, uh, I was very new to doing hooks with, with other artists. Cause that's an artist coming to an artist now. So, you know, that this is going to be released material at some point, like you, you understand what's happening, but I, I guess I didn't really, uh, look through the content of the song as, uh, as much as I should have um so my name was attached to the song and it was I was singing about morning wood and I didn't think anything of it at the time and uh so I found this song with my name attached to it and it's me singing this morning wood song or hook whatever and that's when I went okay I have a problem (laughs) because it's and it's super hard to get things off of iTunes it's not an easy process so I've had to do that twice of, of reaching out to co- uh, clients and saying, uh, not going to happen. You cannot. And, you know, and you didn't tell me that you were going to do that. 
but that's me, you know, just having to, to just look ahead and just know what's coming. Um, but yeah, so I, I have, I have a better screening process now. (laughs) So if you could kind of go back to that time, you, your advice for others in that situation would be to kind of, um, keep a handle on or make sure you know what your content's being used for if you want to you know if you're very wary of your personal brand or your own aspirations based on that absolutely yeah (laughs) I think we all kind of go through that too sometimes I mean I know there have been times when um I've done voiceovers and they seem like really really innocuous and then I'll 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 think of them in broader terms and be like hmm this is this could go one of two ways and I'm okay if it goes this way but not if it goes this way um, I think it's really good to have kind of a set of like rules and guidelines for yourself. And especially if you can intimate those to your clients, like I have a few rules, like I don't do adult content. I don't do anything with racial slurs, I all of that kind of stuff, because it, my basic rule is like, if I, if I would be uncomfortable with someone knowing that that was me, I don't record it. So it's, I think it's a lot of it is kind of like taking the time to sort of set yourself a guideline and then sticking to it. And knowing that nine times out of ten, if you go back to a client and say that you're not comfortable with the content, they're not they're going to completely understand. I don't think though it always comes down to necessarily having uncomfortable content in that regards. I think it also comes down to how you you see or wish to brand yourself in the future. Where say for example, if you wanted to be a country musician and everyone always asks you to do country songs, every single song that you're recording could in fact impede on the songs that you yourself wish to record and release under your own you know artistry from that so i think there's the negative side of you know trying to avoid your name being associated with something but there's also the case of you know if you're an illustrator and you want to sell you know custom handmade uh star wars drawings as a really random example but everyone was asking you to do star wars drawings you're diluting your own brand by doing what you want to do for other people. Is that, that diluting your brand or is that just creating more content for like creating a stronger portfolio though? I mean, if that's what you want to do. You could say if Monet went around and drew lots of Lily uh, pictures or paintings before he went ahead and did his own piece, whilst he has the practice and the portfolio to go ahead and build up to his own piece, he's massively taken away from his own painting and his own art by doing that prior for other people under a different circumstance. Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, I feel like even just, it even just depends on, you know, what, what world we live in now. Um, It's hard for me when I think of, it's funny when I talk to, you know, a a potential, like a a publishing company or, or uh, when I, when I tell them that, you know, I'm on Fiverr and, and this is what I do, they look at me like I am crazy because if I ever wanted a publishing deal, I, technically in that contract, if, if, if Sony wanted to, uh, you know, give me a publishing contract, I wouldn't be allowed to write any content outside of this, this contract. Um, so everything that I do on Fiverr, would belong to Sony, i.e. I cannot <laughs> deliver on Fiverr. Um, yeah, that, that even breaks down to um, things like American Idol, um, mm-hmm. where when you apply for shows like American Idol, they ask you what kind of presence you have at the moment. Because if you've got a large um, internet presence or a large following, they actually ask you to suspend or pull down those videos to try and keep it a level playing field. So you, you have to kind of I know that's a different scenario for going that route, but you have to kind of be wary of 
what you're bringing to the table beforehand to make sure that you don't impede your own career path. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's why that's why I love the fact that you started with jingles because it isn't necessarily something that you saw as being your own dream goal overall, but it was something that you had experience and the skill set to do coming from the skill, you know, the singing, the songwriting that you love. Right. So, you know, you don't, overall, you don't want to be potentially a professional jingle writer as your main dream. You may want to be a professional singer songwriter, but you have the ability to kind of split the two and do them both as individual items without affecting each other. Right. And if anything, it benefits the other because I just feel like, so with the jingle writing and and with the songwriting uh, for other clients, it's been so much easier to be creative and to take, to even take myself out of my own music and my own head to write for me and to write for, you know, whoever else. Um, yeah. I mean, you have to be wary of where this content is going and who it is for and what it is for. Um, but as long as you can have some kind of grasp on that, I mean, if anything, I, I, I think it's a benefit. Yeah, I think I think in the same way they they're deviated enough to not impede each other, but they complement each other well enough as well, where success in one can you know help reflect that in the other. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of you, you've got the perfect kind of skill set there, where it transcends across different services, and then it allows you to go further. So I mean, being on Fire as an example, um, I'm sure you've seen the ability to expand your skill set as well uh, as well away from just the singer songwriting traditional aspect. So, I mean, you may think about things like the editing side of it. Right. And uh, every year I try to add on something new to my to my profile. And actually, just the other day, I, I added on vocal coaching and even just, you know, I've never I've never taught voice, um, but I could. But I have somewhat coached. Uh, so, you know, and even just getting just gaining that experience on Fiverr, low scale with, you know, I'm obviously not going to work with someone very advanced. I would probably shoot for more of a, of a beginner client. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, ex- just expanding, just expanding what your skill set really. It also, it also gives you um, either a secondary revenue stream or something to fall back on as well. So where, for example, let's say you were a singer songwriter and you started on Fiverr, you then deviated to other services like vocal coaching and then you got signed to somewhere like Sony. You had to give up offering the singer songwriting on Fiverr. Well, there's nothing to say that when you know the Sony career is over, when you you know you've you've done that career, you then go back to something like the vocal coaching that you've been able to pick up along the road. That's so true, and I didn't even think of that. That's <laughs> that. Yeah, that's completely true. So one of my other other questions for you is. When you're looking at, so, so you have an opportunity basically as a songwriter to eventually, or even now, have um, quite a, a lucrative career. I mean, a lot of times with, with songs, you could definitely be making a significant more amount of money than $5 per. So when clients come to you and if they have something that you know they are going to use for a more commercial product, even although, of course, we always have the commercial use extra, do you ever factor that into your pricing when you give them quotes? To be honest, I don't. I um, I, I I have a pretty fair playing field, and you know, again, if it's an artist coming to me, uh, recently I've been having artists who I guess they don't songwrite, so they want me to write them a song. So uh, 
you know, I'll kind of feel them out. I'll look up their links. I'll see who they are, what their projection is and just what their overall message is. And, um, but I don't, I don't base my prices off of that. I, I kind of just, you know, whatever, whatever the song would be worth. And again, even year by year, my prices adjust, um, depending on who's been, you know, depending on the clientele who are coming to me, um, and, and it's, I'm constantly adjusting to my surroundings really. Um, but I do not, I, unless it's, you know, if Tesla ever comes back to me and says, Hey, uh, can we get that $5 jingle again? You know, I'll probably, uh, make it a little more than $5. Um, like a car, they could, they could give you a, <laughs> can I just drive one of your cars? Uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, I don't, I don't base it off of how big, how small, how, who, what, where, um, no. I think, I think from the external out view, you, people would assume that the bigger the company, the more they would be charged for something. But in terms of the re reality, it often doesn't go down that way. Cause I mean, if you look at, uh, there's a famous story about Nike when they had their, the logo they still use to this day, when they had their first logo design. They weren't a very big company, but they had a lot of aspirations. They ended up paying a designer $35 for that logo, which was even cheap then for a logo design. And they're now, you know, a multi-million, if not billion dollar company. And when that story came out, a lot of people kind of said, well, why didn't the logo designer charge more? Haven't seen that. Or why hasn't Nike gone ahead and paid more for their logo? They're such a big company. And I mean, the resolution to that story was Nike actually went back and gave the original designer more money because it picked up so much publicity mm -hmm. but in general i mean i'm the same and, and i don't really do um, art-based services but i'm the same where for me it doesn't really matter who the client is i have my own set pricing structure and i'm happy with my rates so it doesn't matter who you are it's still the same kind of rates in the same way i wouldn't charge someone cheaper if they had a different scenario to someone who you know was cheaper than my standard um payment plan exactly. so you know if i my standard gig was for businesses and it was a hundred dollars if a uh, a personal person said to me and said hey can you do a personal one for ten dollars i wouldn't reduce in that scenario so i wouldn't increase in the flip of that exactly i do the same thing and and there's a lot of times where someone will come to me and they will give me kind of their story as to why they would really like me to reduce their price and the thing that i say is like to be fair to all of my clients i have to set standard pricing and i think that's one of the best things about fiverr it's not just about um, sellers having an even playing field. It's about the buyers having an even playing field too. Well, could, could you imagine if, for example, Tesla in that regard, you had uh, Elon Musk there and you had one of his friends and one of his friends said, oh, I just went on Fiverr and bought a logo for, you know, I spent $100 on it. And Tesla go, we could do with a new logo, go to the same designer who's recommended and they turn around and say, that'd be $2,000, please. It's just not good business practice. No, I mean, right. you don't know where referrals are coming from. You don't know how things are interlinking. And by not having a set rate, I mean, Tesla may come back in the future, say, can I have this logo, please? And you say, that's, you know, $3,000 this time. And then in the future, may think, I need another logo. And they think, well, how much is it going to be? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not as clear in that way if you're deviating pricing based on not the requirements, but the client. Right. Uh, and I also feel like, I mean, especially when I was first starting out, I feel like even just creating these relationships and I know that maybe sounds naive and, and, and what, and optimistic, but even just creating these relationships with 
these big, small, medium brands, they're going to come back. And, and mm-hmm. in my yeah. experience, they do come back. Yeah, that, that was the, the, the main reason for me signing up to Fiverr. Because when I first signed up, most well, it was it was only a five dollars site. There was no extras, mm-hmm. there was no levels, there was no top rated sellers, nothing like this at all. And the main reason I signed up because a lot of people kind of said to me, "Well, it's only five dollars a time, you know. It's you're you're a web designer by trade. Is that really worth your time?" And I said, "Well, the true value in that five dollars isn't the literal five dollars. It's the networking opportunities that I have. And as the platform has expanded, and you know, you can accept more money on site, and clients themselves are growing into their business." I still have people that I worked with five years ago who come back to me and we're not doing $5 gigs anymore. You know, I've built up that pattern in the same way where you may work with someone on a $5 gig and they may be in a boardroom somewhere and they're, you know, brainstorming a new product somewhere and your name comes up. And because they've had a good, you know, kind of service with you previously, you've got that network or that relationship to work on that. So I think there's a, a lot of power and also a lot of potential in not just the literal money that you're receiving, but the ability to have as an artist to build up your portfolio, create these relationships with other people and expand yourself as an artist by learning from what you're doing. Yeah, I completely agree. Definitely. Well, that's about all we have time for today. So thank you so much to Lana for joining us. You can find her on Fiverr as Lana Marie. Our jingle was made by Custom Drum Loops and we were edited by Dancha. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week. Fibercast.